This episode of Snow the Goalie is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for their app today and use our promo code CROSSINGBROAD. And by Odd Logic Brewing Company. Located at 500 Bristol Pike in Bristol, PA, Odd Logic Brewing Company is the best place to go to watch a game. This Sunday for the Eagles game, they'll have the game on all of their TVs with a commentary going through their surround sound system. They'll have food trucks outside. And hey, despite having been open for just four weeks, they've already poured over 6,500 beers. And that's just the start. In 2020, they're going to bring back their fan favorite, the Invisible Friends, an 8% hazy double IPA that was the beer that birthed the buzz of Odd Logic Brewing Company before they even had a location. Plus, in 2020, they'll be releasing 10 new beers. So go check them out, Odd Logic Brewing Company, at 500 Bristol Pike in Bristol, PA. And now, Snow the Goalie. Hello, this is Scott Gordon. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, this is the biggest suitcase to ever play the game, Mike McKenna. This is Dale Weiss. Hey, this is Riley Cote. Hi, this is Bob Clark. Listen to. And you're listening to. You're listening to. And you're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. Snow the goalie. 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 Hi, my name is Ali Vigneault, coach of the Flyers. You're listening to Snow the goalie. It's early. It's earlier than normal. Three o'clock, the sun is shining. No. no. The birds are singing. No. I can see my car from here. No. It's a thing of beauty. Welcome in to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers radio show. Daylight. That's all that we have that's different than normal. Here on 610 ESPN Radio Philadelphia. And that's only for this show, because when Bob and I used to do the baseball show, in the summer it was daylight when we were here. So... That's the only new thing for you, Russ, is daylight. I love it. The it's rest fantastic. Of it, the rest of it, you're just lying to the people. I would never do such a thing. Snow the Goalie Radio, the only Flyers radio show. And this this is a great show we have planned for the people. Because <laughs> is it now? It, it sure is, as always. Plenty to get into. Flyers had an interesting start to what is going to be, and as we said a week ago, is a very rough stretch of their schedule featuring a West Coast swing. It was an interesting weekend. A fan favorite, a prospect that people have had their eyes on for a long time, has been sent down. We're going to get into all of that. But we are in our last show for 2019. Our last show, arguably for the decade, depends on where you fall. See, I'm not. So I'm going to say it's our last episode of the teens. That's fair. I guess. Although it's not it shouldn't be called the teens because ten, eleven, and twelve are not teen numbers. <sighs> okay. The tens, the last here, of the tens. Okay, the last of the tens. Happy? Take Feel a better? E out of there. Yeah. So okay. I mean, I just like to be precise. It's not the end of the decade until a year from t- a year from tomorrow. Okay. But everybody else is turning it into the end of the decade just sure. because they want to start the the twenties. Well, the twenties. Yeah, I get it. I understand. The roaring twenties. Yeah, whatever. They're gonna call it the soaring twenties instead. Are they really? That's that's kind of don't they shouldn't call it, they shouldn't call it no they shouldn't like call it the soaring twenties because one of the most popular uh, vaping devices is a soren and you don't want that it's not good for you well I agree but the fact is is that that's it's, it is what it is Russ right now I mean that's 
That's all right, so the soaring twenties. Yes, got going. begin right. in two days. The soaring twenties right. doesn't mean it's the end of the decade. But if we want to do a kind of a decade kind of look back, a lot happened in this. We decade. can, we can, we can certainly do that. Certainly, no Stanley Cup. The last uh, ten years, we can certainly look. No at Stanley it. Cup trophies being hoisted by the orange and black. But there were a lot of interesting things that happened this decade, and we want to get into that. But of course, as always, we want to hear from the people. That's right. Give us a call eight 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 seven two eight. 9941. Again, that's 888-728-9941. Let's talk about the current Philadelphia Flyers. We'll get into the the decade or the tens or the teens or whatever you want to call them a little bit later, but let's get into the current team. Yeah, I mean, the, the team um, came off of the Christmas break with a loud thud in San Jose. Probably their worst game of the season, and this includes the 7-1 to loss in Pittsburgh and the and the lost to the Islanders the game before those were two pretty bad um two pretty bad games mm-hmm. um nevertheless uh they came out and just absolutely laid a stink bomb in San Jose lost 6 to 1 and Elaine Vigno who even in losses Russ he's complimentary of certain players you know come out and say you know, you know we played the right way we just didn't do this right or this right or whatever he said for the first time all season, there's not one player I could say something good about after this game. That's rough. That is rough. That is rough. And I think it's a, that was a in a lot of ways a, a shot at a, a variety of people. I mean, you give up six goals. Who who you who do you look at first usually when you give up six goals? You usually look at the goalie. The goalie, right? I mean, so and then the defense. Carter Hart did not have a good game. The defense was pretty bad yeah, against the Sharks. They generated nothing until uh, very little at the start of the third period. They were down three nothing at the time. Ivan Provorov, who you know kills their power play, scored another power play goal, um, and <laughs> and uh, and they got them to three one. And you're thinking, well, you know, maybe you know you get another goal here in the next ten minutes. All of a sudden, it's a game again. Um, but just like that, they gave up a fourth goal and then a, and then a fifth and a sixth, and it was just ugly. Um, so uh, anyway, it was it was not a good game, and Vino let them have it. And there were some changes made uh, between you know here they were with a 22 hour turnaround, which they're technically not supposed to have. Yep. Um, but they, they, for the second time, they've had it uh, going to Anaheim, and in the span of that 22 hours, Morgan Frost. Gets sent back down to the Phantoms. Um, it's not a surprise to us. We've we've been talking about it for a few weeks here on Snow the Goalie that Morgan Frost is just qu- not quite up to snuff yet uh, at the NHL level where they need him to be cons- with consistency. He's had some some good moments. He came out like a house on fire his first handful of games, then kind of got lost. Uh, in the shuffle, then played a couple of nice games again, and then has slowly been sliding back, back, back. The only thing that was surprising to me is that he gets sent down um, as opposed to, like, Andy Andrioff, right, for example. Sure. Um, but the th- I guess the thought process is, and I can't argue too much with this because I've made this argument in favor of the Flyers in the past, is that Andrioff's going to play fourth-line minutes. You don't want Morgan Frost playing fourth-line minutes. And so so that kind of makes sense to me in that regard. Um I, I kind of thought that he might they might hold on to Frost until Lawton was ready to come back, mm-hmm. but they just plugged Michael Roffel in at center yesterday. Um, even though he's more of a winger, but he he like he did playing. have a really good stretch before getting yes, hurt. He did where he, I think he exceeded a lot of expectations of being able to play a, as a fourth line center. Yeah, so that was the cha- that was one of the changes that was made. Phil Myers came out of the lineup again. Uh, Robert Haig back in playing with Shane Gostisbehere uh, on the third pair. 
and the Flyers played a, a better defensive game. Brian Elliott had a nice game in net, uh, but really the Flyers kind of dictated play a little bit against Anaheim. Um, still struggled to score. Uh, they got the the early goal by Couturier um, with assists from Voracek and Giroux. And then that was it. Like both teams scored early in the first period. It was one. It was one nothing Anaheim. Like in the first minute, and then the Flyers scored pretty quickly thereafter to tie it. And then the game was just a lot of you know, a lot of feeling each other out for a bit. And then you know the Flyers would dominate possession for a while. And then the Ducks had a couple chances. Never really felt like they had great chances though, uh, until overtime. And then in overtime, they had a couple of great chances, including one like right before the Flyers score the game winner. Uh, Jake Voracek turns the puck over inexplicably right in front of the Flyers' net. Elliott makes the save. Voracek gets the puck back and makes an absolutely perfect pass yep. to Kevin Hayes for a breakaway. Hayes beats Gibson for the goal, breakaway goal, and the Flyers win in Anaheim 2-1. to one. Ends up being a really good win for the team. Yeah, and, and I think that the Voracek sequence is probably the most – it was like a, an excellent microcosm of what his play has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of if you're a, a pro-Jake or, or an anti-Jake kind of fan, insofar as the thing that can get him in trouble are goofy gaffes in his defensive zone. But the one thing that he has that is just absolutely elite is that vision and passing ability. Yeah, he's tremendous. And so you see him try to thread a needle in his deep in his own zone, and and as he said, it ends up leading to a shot on net. Thankfully, Brian Elliott, who had stood on his head for most of that game, is able to make the save. And then it's almost like when you see somebody get a wide-open three-pointer at the top, and they miss it, and they get the offensive rebound, pops back out to them, and it's just muscle memory at that point. You just adjust to what had what had befallen you earlier. And he manages to thread that needle to the far blue line through what was it? Three defenders or three 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 players finds Kevin Hayes, who by the way I think was six or so minutes of regulation time earlier, had a similar opportunity where it was one of those wonderful Kevin Hayes super patient rangy sorts of plays, and all of a sudden he's able to to finish there and. Kevin Hayes looks as if he's kind of turned a corner in the same way that a lot of vets on this team have, whether it's Jake Voracek, whether it's James Van Riemsdyk, guys who are kind of coming into their form. And while with Kevin Hayes, you know, whether the expectation was that he was going to be a 50 or 60 point player or not, and if that was fair or not because of the money, we've talked a lot about him being a 200 foot player. Vino's talked a lot about him being a 200 foot player, excellent special teamer, fantastic guy on the PK. All of a sudden, you know, things are starting to fall Kevin Hayes' way. And what could become a somewhat frustrating style of play to watch if he's unable to convert has all of a sudden become, I don't know, like a breath of fresh air on the team. Yeah, and they've needed it because the guys who got off to great starts for them this year offensively have kind of slowed down. Although, breaking news right at the start of the show today, literally as we were coming on air, it was announced that Travis Konechny is the Flyers representative for the NHL All-Star Game this year. Um, Probably deservedly so for the first half of the season. He was probably the guy that, that deserved to go more than than anyone else based off of statistics alone. I mean, I could sit here and argue that Sean Couturier is probably still the best player on the team, the best player, more best valuable player. Yeah. Uh, or maybe even Provorov the way he's played this year, you could have maybe given him a nod uh, ahead of Konechny, but I, I don't have any qualms with it. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's certainly a, a good selection uh, and deserving selection. Um, 
you know, the Flyers aren't a team that's going to get multiple players because they don't have a lot of guys at the top of the scoring list. And when fans are voting, that they're voting primarily. If they're not voting for their hometown team uh, and they're voting for other players, they're going to just look at who, at the sta- at the scoring leaders, and that's who they're going to vote in, right? So, um, so I think that that's why uh, you you see Konechny get it ahead of those other guys. And, and but that's okay. It's good for TK. It's his first All Star game. It'll be a great experience for him to be there and and, and play with some of the best players in the league. Um, but yeah, he's a guy that I think needs to kind of get going a little bit again. I think he kind of, um, not that he's been bad uh, of late, but I think that he's certainly a guy that that um, uh, you know he's in a he's in his lull right now, a little bit of a lull. Um, I, I like to see TK get going again. That was one of the changes that um, that Vino made with the lines yesterday. He played Voracek with Couturier and 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 Giroux mm-hmm. and moved TK onto the line with Hayes and, and Van Riemsdyk. Um, and and you know that line was it was just it was okay for the game. I mean f- for the most part when you look at their numbers and everything it, it was an okay line. Um wasn't gr- didn't blow you away, didn't wasn't bad, it was just kind of there. Um but there's a guy that you definitely want to see uh you know get going in the right direction again. Uh offensively. Uh, and I think he will. I don't think this is I don't think this is something where he's going to get into a prolonged slump. Um especially well, in a, he'll have a he'll have a nice experience at the All-Star game which is still a few weeks away. Um but he'll have a good experience there, you know, he'll kind of get probably maybe a little bit of excitement going into it and maybe come out of it with a little bit of, you know, another step uh in his game too. Uh, so I, you know, it's good for TK. So there's a a part of this and this is the human element of the game that is impossible to overlook. And and maybe people have done it, but I think we can attribute some of TK's recent struggles to the news surrounding his friend Oscar Lindblom as they are considered to be two of the closer friends on the team. Yeah, could be. And, you know, uh, again, it's something where we've talked a lot over the last couple of weeks about how hard it is for a young locker room to kind of come to terms with this kind of news, sort of news that almost never shakes a professional sports locker room, not not just the NHL, in a cancer diagnosis, a rare form of cancer, and what that can do to a team, especially to a young player. So in in the case of TK, like it it could just be a normal lull, a, a normal, you know, goal scorers kind of drought. And it could also just be that he's maybe having a harder time shaking the Oscar Lindblom news because of how close they are. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's not. I don't know if it's as much of a shock to at this point for him anymore. And we're still we're a couple weeks past it at this point now, Russ. I think maybe that could have been the beginning of it for sure. Uh, I think that you know that you're you're making a valid argument as to maybe that's what kind of starts the lull, and then all of a sudden you know you, you kind of get past that, but now you start looking at it and say, oh gee, I haven't scored in a while, or I'm not scoring like I was. And then, you know, this is where the, all the cliches start coming in. You're gripping the stick too much. You're trying too hard. Yeah. Like, things like that. I mean, there's no doubt Konechny is one of the hardest working players on the team. It's not for lack of effort by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but certainly it, it could be a thing where after a while, you know, you start questioning things a little bit. Start The mental part of the game starts coming into play. And, and, and maybe that drags out the lull a little bit longer than you would like um so it'd be nice to see him get on the scoreboard i think he's gonna have a great opportunity um tomorrow night against uh, la the kings are not a very good team um they've uh, they, they were struck they were really bad to start the season kind of righted the ship a little bit 
um, you know, get back closer to 500. And now of late, they've not been as good. They're under 500 again in December. Um, uh, they, you know, come off a of back to back on the weekend. Uh, as well, although they had an extra day off. They played Friday, Saturday, not Saturday, Sunday. Still, nevertheless, um, the Flyers are the better team. They, this should be a game that they should win tomorrow in L.A. It would be nice to see TK kind of you know, get off the schneid against a bad team like the Kings before you go into – because this is the last quote-unquote easy game, right, mm-hmm. before the schedule really ramps up in January. Um, with with competition, you know, you got to go to Vegas and Arizona and Carolina, and then you come home and play all those good teams at home. It, it, it's going to get kind of hairy uh, here soon. This, this is kind of like the last one, so it'd be nice for this to be the one where TK gets the uh, gets going. I agree. Well, thanks, Russ. I appreciate the fact that you agree. Let me ask you about <laughs> your thoughts going into these next few games. About you mentioned Ivan Provorov off the top about how well he's played, especially. I, last 20 or so games. Yeah. One of the things we talked about in the offseason was at what point do we at what point do we feel like we will have seen Ivan Provorov return to the form of 2 years ago where he looked like one of the best up and coming defensemen in the league versus a season ago where he was a roller coaster and and to this point it looks like he's much more of the guy from 2 seasons ago than a season ago. Is there something specific that you can attribute that to? Like I, yeah, I, Matt Niskanen. Yep, I was. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you know, in all honesty, I mean, I think that's what it is. I mean, you know, you don't look. Provorov's a great player, and I'm not going to try and sit there and say, well, he's only looking good because of Matt Niskanen playing next to him. But I think what he needed was he needed a steady, reliable, stable partner who he knew was going to do the right thing and didn't have to worry about. Because Provorov was going to play 25, 27 minutes a night, regardless if he had a, the best partner in the world or the worst partner in the world. Okay, mm-hmm. so but just having a guy like Niskin in there who is so, um, you know, reliable, so so you know, and, and he's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I mean, you know, he's just going to be consistent. Uh, on that side, it allows Provorov to just worry about what he has to do and not worry about what his partner has to do. So then, and that makes his game better. So then, let's revisit the Radko Gudis trade. Yeah, happened in the offseason. Okay, and there was the the notion. I think we were both kind of on on the same side with this, which was if Niskanen was able to rebound from what had been like an iffy season a season ago. Mm-hmm then the Flyers probably end up with the higher ceiling player of the two. Yeah. But we didn't necessarily like that the Flyers retained salary, even though, in theory, the gap between the level of play of Gudis and Niskanen on their best days is probably well within that salary that that had been retained. Yeah. Looking back on it now and keeping in mind that the Flyers have really had – they've been up against the cap in quite a few moments this season, do you think it ends up being something that it was a good trade? Well, yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna just to let's look back at the at the four moves from the off season. Real, quick, I'm gonna put them into this vacuum. So far, we're at the ha- almost at the halfway point now with the Flyers. Um, I, I would say that my take on the four moves of the off season, two of them I I was right about, uh, one I was wrong about, and one I'm probably going to be wrong about. Okay, okay. in the in the long run, um, one of the ones I was right about I was the Niskanen deal, which I I kind of said. This is the one that I'm okay with, 
yeah, I didn't like the keeping the extra salary, but as it turns out, it, it, it was a good it was it was a good move for the Flyers in that regard. But th- that I was okay with it because it was only a year earlier that Niskanen was playing top minutes for the Capitals in the Stanley Cup Finals as their top pair defenseman as they won a Stanley Cup, and he was the number one the number. I mean, I'm sorry, number two guy on that team playing in those minutes, and so therefore, yeah, he had a down year. But you don't go from being a guy who was playing in the Stanley Cup final on the top defensive pair to being terrible that quickly, right? Sure. So so to me, and it was really his only bad year, quote unquote. So to me, it was a situation where you look at it and say, beyond, go back beyond last year and his track record is good enough that that makes this deal make sense, right? So that so to me, I, I thought the Niskanen trade was going to work out. I, it's been better than I think everyone thought. Um, but I kind of I was okay with that one. The ones I wa- I was not okay with was um, the, the trade for Justin Braun. I thought it was I thought they gave up too much for a guy who was just an uh, an okay defender last last year. And beyond that, he wasn't much. It's not like he was ever like a really really good defender in San Jose. Um, but turned out that that's actually not a bad trade either because Braun has, has really um, solidified that second pair. Had a st- struggle at the beginning of the season, maybe first 10 games or so, but really kind of, you know, early, by early November, he was playing good hockey and has continued to play good hockey. But he's really, really been, you know, part of, you know, one half of the reason that they've improved on the penalty kill as much as they have. Yep. And the other half is Kevin Hayes, who I. I'm still when I say that I'm probably going to be wrong. I'm probably going to be wrong about Kevin Hayes. Um, I, I still cling to the fact that I think he's way overpaid, um, but he's been good for an extended period of time now. Not just a hot stretch. This is we're talking, you know, more than a month, month and a half of really good hockey, two way hockey, two hundred foot hockey. He's starting to put points on the board, but he's played great penalty kill, really good defense. Uh, he's really strong on the puck. It's tough to knock him away from the puck. He's he's been he's been that good for the Flyers. He's also been critical because of the absence of Nolan Patrick, which I think probably ends up being one of, and, and maybe we'll do this in the second segment here, but one of the top stories of 2019, the the enigma that is Nolan Patrick, the fact that. This guy went from being the second overall pick after having previously been for longer than a calendar year, the consensus number one pick in his draft, that his career at this point, you know, certainly the season is up in the air, but his career at this point has a an asterisk next to it, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And the idea of him returning in the calendar year 2019, I know that, that I had said a bunch of times, and I think you had agreed, was very questionable at best, mm-hmm. and that a February return was probably yeah, we going to be. We were saying the All Star break quasi was, quasi likely. Yeah, the All Star break was what we were thinking. But I'm going to stand next to what I've said for the entirety of the season thus far since the migraine disorder was announced, and that's I'm not sure that he plays this year. And regardless of if he does or not, if he does, he could be a heck of a boost to this team. Probably plays the three C. Like I, I would think that Kevin Hayes, given his play, would would end up being your 2C. Um, but if he's not able to come back this year, it speaks to the importance of of that Kevin Hayes signing. And whether he was overpaid or not, and, you know, point production-wise, yeah, it was an overpay. 
when you think of what he's done on the PK and what he's done as a as a guy to kind of help solidify the special teams, I don't know. Like, and and taking another level, what he's brought to the locker room and the levity that he's brought, and just kind of the jovial spirit that was lacking, at least last season. I'm not so sure that you can say that it is an overpay when you take the holistic view of him as a player and what he's brought on and off the ice. You know, if it is an overpay, it might not be quite as bad as if you just looked at it specifically and 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 just from a point production. Yeah, standpoint. no, there, I understand what you're saying that there's more value to his salary than just point production, and there's no doubt that that's the case, right? I mean, there's no doubt about it. I, I just don't necessarily know if he's ever more than what he is. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. you're paying that salary, and who knows? I mean, seven years from now, that salary we might we might be laughing at it, right? And saying it's a TV nothing, deal. It's a nothing. Well, I mean, it depends on where the the salary cap goes. Well, the, right? I'm saying the TV yeah, deal yeah, depends, is, right. is a big part of that. Depends on where the cap goes. So it, it very well could be that we laugh at it down the road. Um, but in the in the moment, in you know, as of right now, it's still a little much. But it's not ridiculous at this point. It, it's not. Um, I you know, you look at it and and then of course the of course the fourth guy. Well, there's five really. The um, the fourth guy I, I that I liked them bring back was Brian Elliott. Yep. Um, I thought that that was a, a strong move uh, to bring him back to kind of platoon a little bit with Carter Hart. Hart's going to get more starts, but you know we, we talked when we heard Vino tell us um, back before the season started on Snow the Goalie when he came on the show, um, he did say that nowadays you're going to see more of a 60-40, um, maybe even 55 55-45. Helping percent. you with your math there. Yeah. Well, pers- go ahead. it was keep, originally keep percentage, yeah, 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 yeah. and then I go went ahead. to games, because okay. the games would be 55-35, oh, okay. right? Okay. But 55-45 percentage. Um, but, yeah, but, I mean, when, once you heard that, it's like, well, then they made the right call. Because he, this is uh, – Brian Elliott's a guy who can play that much. Yeah. Um, and Cam Talbot was not. And yeah, that was and the other guy Talbot, that they were talking about. Uh, you know, just for the heck of it, you look at Cam Talbot this year. He's played 12 games. He's gotten 10 starts. Two, seven, three goals against isn't that bad. But he's he's by no means yeah, he, splitting. Right, he couldn't play more. No, he couldn't play more than what he's playing. Whereas so th- Brian, Brian Elliott, who I think had kind of gotten an unfair shake a season ago, because so much was expected of him, and he was brought in to be the starter. And now you see the way that things have played out, where you know the Cam Talbot acquisition a season ago was supposed to be as a guy who could be friends with Carter Hart, a guy that he worked out with in the off season. You were trying to keep his morale up. What you end up seeing is Brian Elliott not only can fulfill that mentor role he can not only fulfill that veteran role as a legitimate you know second netminder on this team but he's a guy who can go in and and in the event that Carter Hart struggles you can rely on Brian Elliott in two three four games in a row to go in and give you solid play from that position which again quite frankly a a season ago you did not have now all of a sudden you have two legitimate goaltenders on this team Mm -hmm. and you can see the difference that makes it's huge it's huge um and then the fifth guy of course which you know i we didn't really discuss in in any great detail but uh but pitlick's been a a, a nice fourth line guy who can jump up um you know and be a third line kind of guy as well um if need be so i mean so you know in in all uh, you know you look at it i sit there and say that you know chuck fletcher had a pretty good off season, he did, right? And there, yeah. I mean, it's not a, it's not a, it's not blow you away, fantastic off season, but it's also not a bad off season. It was a, it was a good off season. Here's the thing that separates what Chuck Fletcher has done versus an elite GM. Chuck Fletcher had a ton of cap space, which he used to re-sign guys like Travis Konechny, Travis Sanheim, 
Ivan Provorov, all to pretty reasonable deals. Mm-hmm. He used a lot of that cap space to go after a, a big target for what they were trying to do in Kevin Hayes, which, again, works kind of as like a de facto liaison between the coaching staff, the coach that he used to play for, and the team. And, you know, brought back a Brian Elliott. The thing that Chuck Fletcher has not done that an elite GM does is there haven't been that many fringe pickups that have been a boom for this team. And I know that it's a hard thing to do if you're talking about plucking guys away from from other leagues, if you're talking about finding a journeyman who's been kind of spending his entire career or most of his career in the bouncing between the NHL and AHL and then all of a sudden something clicks for him in a system and all of a sudden he becomes, you know, like a a 20 goal scorer for you. He hasn't done that. And if that's if that's like the one mark against him, then it's not that bad. I think it's a little bit of that and maybe a little bit of the draft that Fletcher oversaw. He might have gotten a little bit cute. And it remains to be seen. You know, obviously with hockey, your draft picks, you're not going to see the fruits of that labor for quite a while. But I, I wonder if this, what appears to be getting a little bit maybe too cute in the draft, comes back to, to hurt the team or maybe doesn't, you know, reap the rewards of, of what they could have gotten um, had they not made a, a move in the first round. But, look, we're going to get back to some Flyers talk, and, of course, we want to talk about the year that was, 2019, and the decade that was, or the 10s that was or were. And uh, we'll talk about our favorite and least favorite moments, our, maybe our best and worst moments of the uh, decade, our favorite, least favorite Flyers to watch. I also have two non-Flyer-related things I want to get to. Well, one is a kind of a uh, very uh, flimsily related to the Flyers because it involves a former draft pick of theirs. Um, and the other thing is w- one of my all-time favorite press conferences occurred this week okay. uh, in the NHL, and we'll talk about that as well. So we'll do that on the other side. You're listening to Snow the Goalie Radio here on 610 ESPN. Hey, I'm Russ Joy. I'm Kevin Kincaid. I'm Anthony Sanfilippo. And I'm Bob Wankel. For the best coverage on Philadelphia sports, check out Crossing Broadcast Radio. Right here on 610 ESPN. Philadelphia. And we are back here on Snow the Goalie Radio here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Anthony, you know what time it is. What time is it, Russ? We come out of the, uh, we come out of the break and... It's always big time here on Snow the Goalie. It's time to talk about some of our lovely sponsors. Oh, yes. You know, why don't we lead off? I'll I'll tell you what. The holiday season has kind of wound down a little bit. Christmas is over. Hanukkah, last night? We went last night of Hanukkah? Yep. Kwanzaa's wrapping up. Don't worry. I've got a place for you to go. And that's Odd Logic Brewing Company. Oh, yes. Now, Odd Logic, here's the thing about Odd Logic, and here's what we love so much about them. They're located over at 500 Bristol Pike in Bristol, PA. Well worth the drive wherever you are. If you're in Monco, Chesco, Delco, out in Bucks, get in the car. Go to Odd Logic Brewing Company. They are the number one place to be, especially when games are on. They had the Boxing Day special that we talked a lot about over on the Press the soccer, Row show. The soccer thing, yeah. Yeah, it was good. And now, here's the thing. This weekend, of course, they're going to be running some specials for the Eagles game. But I want you to, if you're, if you're looking to the week ahead, you also look at the week that was. They've always got a nice food truck outside. They've got lovely beers on tap. Sometimes they like to push them through nice fresh pineapples, through mangoes. They've got everything you want. And they've got tons of flat screen TVs available to watch any game, Flyers game, Sixers game. And, of course, 
this weekend, Philadelphia Eagles playoffs have a pl- playoffs have a playoff game, which we'll be breaking down later on a crossing broadcast here on six ten ESPN Philadelphia. But Odd Logic Brewing Company is the place to go if you are looking to go out, have a great day, have a great night with family and friends. Go get yourself a beer, get yourself a uh, a nice craft uh, a craft beverage. What do they call them? The the uh, distilled drinks, right? They have they have uh, cocktails. <laughs> That's the word. I'm That's looking the word. For. You were looking for cocktails? Cocktails. cocktails. That was the word you were looking for. <laughs> uh, last weekend they had Bloody Marys going. Absolutely delicious looking. Uh, Odd Logic Brewing Company is the place to be. Yeah, they had the, that IPA rolling through pineapples too, which was pretty awesome. It was mind blowing. Actually, we had a, another sponsor on the Press Row show that day who uh, DM'd me to say that they were going to take the whole staff out to Odd Logic Brewing Company to try it just because of how great that sounded. So, yeah. go give them a look. 500 Bristol Pike in Bristol, PA, Odd Logic Brewing Company, your place to go. I'm sure they'll have a food truck out there this Sunday of course. for the Eagles game. And, uh, hey, when you go, let them know you hear about them over on uh, Snow the Goalie on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. That's Ryan Lennox, Smiles Behind the Glass. All you had to do was think, what was the top five Tom Cruise movie in the 80s? Cocktails. Yeah, there you go. That's what you had to give me. I'm actually surprised that Ryan Lennox is, one, here, two, not weeping, <laughs> And and three is like looking somewhat positive after what his New York football giants did last night. Anyway. I feel like we're going to talk about that on the next show. Yeah, I think we will as well. Yeah. Anyway. He's a, go Fly- over, he's a Flyers fan. Go over to Odd Logic Brewing Company. Do it today. You will not regret it. And let them know that you heard about them here on Snow the Goalie. That's awesome. All right. Let's get into uh, to some Flyers stuff. Yeah. We love the Flyers. Of course. Uh, before we do anything Flyers related, there is... There's a thing that that you brought up uh, during the break that needs to be talked about. Yes. And it is, okay, listen, it's not, is it a flyer story? No, it's not a flyer story. But it is one of our favorite people in all of sports. Yes. Probably the number one soundbite guy he's, in the National Hockey League. He's great. Outside of, you know, maybe former Flyers coach Peter LaViolette. I don't know. anybody. Uh, Joel, uh, well, Joel Quenville, <laughs> former Flyers coach Joel Quenville. Sometimes has a uh, a really nice quote, but John Tortorella went in on the National Hockey League. So let me just give you a little bit of of, of context before we play the the soundbite. So the the end of the game, it's near the end of the game, and there's a stoppage on the clock, and the the ref blows his whistle with 19.2 seconds left. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, the clock runs down to 18.1. The the Blue Jackets take a timeout. You know, and and so they want to give them an opportunity to fix the clock. I mean, this is what the NHL does. They look at these things, they fix the clock. It happens all the time. The referee Dan O'Halloran refused the request to check the clock. Okay, despite the Blue Jackets asking, he told the Blue Jackets wasn't going to happen. Lo and behold, the Blue Jackets score a goal as time is expiring. Upon the replay review, it went into the net two tenths of a second after the buzzer had sounded. If they had put that extra 1.1 second back on the clock, that goal counts, the Blue Jackets win in regulation. Turns out the game goes into overtime and then the shootout, and then in the shootout, <laughs> the Blue Jackets goalie gets hurt pretty bad. He's going to be out for a while. He's been great, great Corpusalo. Uh, so he's not. He's now. He's been their best player of late. Uh, he's out for an extended period of time. They lose in the shootout because they have to bring in the backup goalie, 
Um, uh, Elvis, I don't even know how he pronounces his last name. It's like Mer- Doesn't matter. Merlikins or whatever. Not Presley, good. Um, and uh, he comes in cold, and the shootout, of course, gives up the game-winning goal to Patrick Kane. Blackhawks win the game 3-2. to two. Tortorella is livid after the game. And this is what his press conference is. So the whistle blows. The whistle is blown at 19.2 on the clock. For some reason, the clock has run down a second and a tenth to 18.1. For whatever reason, I have no idea. So instead of resetting the clock, we have them tell our captain we're not going to do it. Toronto doesn't step in. Refs don't do their freaking job. And now we lose the game and we lose our goalie. So the chain of events, if it was done right, we don't lose our goalie, we win the hockey game. So all this God technology, right? The technology and getting things right, the stubbornness tonight by the officials and by the league and Toronto, however it's supposed to work, screws us. It's ridiculous. I'm not taking any God. <laughs> Russ, he banged on the podium 14 times in a minute, nearly broke the podium. They had a um, uh, a coffee cup. I guess one of the sponsors, uh, Tim the Hortons. The most important sponsor, Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons is their sponsor, right? The coffee cup is on top of the podium, and you can see this cup just constantly shaking like it's going to teeter over and it's going to go. And Tortorella is just like banging on the, the counter. If you listen to it again, it's 14 times he hits the hits the podium and then decides, the heck with it, I'm out. <laughs> I ain't taking any questions from anybody. He's been a gem of a quote since he came into the league, you know, 15 years ago, whenever he was coaching Tampa, he's been fantastic. I remember back then when he had the, uh, in the Eastern conference finals, when he, him and Hitchcock were going back and forth with each other and they did the whole shut your, he told Hitchcock to shut your yap. Uh, I remember the big, I was present, um, when he did, had a big blow up when he was a coach of the Rangers with, um, uh, with a, a member, Larry Brooks, a, a reporter, columnist uh, in New York, uh, that was in Philly, um, and it was outside the Rangers locker room, and he flipped out at him um, uh, there, which was great. That was an awesome press conference. He, anytime you get it, like he's just really, really good for that stuff, and this was no different. Total Jim, uh, I, I, I wish we had, and th- th- this is not a knock on. Vino, because I like Elaine Vino, but I wish I long for the days as a reporter. I long for the days of having a quote machine somewhere in the building, uh, in some capacity, because we used to have several of them, uh, and and he's one of the few that are still left out there, uh, still in the league, who's unafraid of getting fined. I mean, he's going to get fined by the league for that stuff. He's, it's great, but he does, and he doesn't care, and that's what makes him so much fun to listen to. So let's talk about top quotes on the team. Uh, Jake Voracek. Yes, easily. Easily the best quote on the team because he doesn't care what he says, right? I mean, he's he's unfiltered, so uh, he's easily the best quote on the team publicly. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Vino has some funny quips at the end of his. He's pressers. good. I, I like him. I like Elaine Vino. I think he's good. But that's the thing. You see, what I'm saying like like Vino is is a good a good quote as a coach, and, and you kind of settle for that. You know, like oh, that's good. He's good. And, and there's and I'm not belittling him by any stretch of imagination, but he, it pales in comparison to some of the some other guys who've been in this league or some other guys who've been in this town. 
I mean, if and the fact that that's what we kind of you know that's what we have to glom onto as members of the of the media um, who are covering the team. I mean, it's you just long for the days when it was so much better when it was when they guys were unafraid to say anything, didn't care if they were going to get fined because you know Snyder used to pay all the fines. He didn't get he didn't care. He's like, oh, you said it, fine. I pay for I pay the fine. So you were about to drop one right there. Yeah, no, no. I mean, you know, I I got control of him myself, right? Proud of you. Yeah. So, anyways, that was some good. That was some good stuff. All right, let's talk about some things that happened this year. This year, this year. Go ahead. You got some good stuff from this year because there's because prior to the start of this season, prior to the hiring of of Vino, there's not a lot of good. There really isn't. <laughs> um, let's talk about the time that Scott Gordon somehow took a team from being. I don't know what an absolute train wreck. Dead, they were dead last in the league after losing to St. Louis on January sixth. Dave Hacksaw gets fired. What was it like the seventeenth or so of uh, December twenty eighteen? Gordon comes in, had very little preparation. Mm-hmm. Told us on the show that he had no inkling that anything was in the works. Well, hello, the team had no inkling they were bringing Scott Gordon in. The, uh, Fletcher's plan. They hired no Fletcher's Anthony, plan. They definitely hired Joel Quenville. <laughs> I remember this. Ah. I That's remember getting thing. yelled at by people That's the that thing. no, they were firing. They, like, ha- they were, they okay. were. He was still in the just to let people know. I mean, obviously Russ is joking around, but they were in the process. It was a, a lengthier process of replacing Dave Haxtall. Wasn't necessarily going to happen. I, I'm not even certain it was going to happen. Fletcher was planning to have it happen in season. Like I almost think that he was willing to ride out last season with Haxtall and then make the change in the off season. Okay. But the fact is, is that a couple of people got a rogue put out rogue reports um, that Joel Quenville was going to be definitely the next Flyers coach on a flight. I forget where they were coming home from. Do you remember where they were coming home from? And it was West Coast. It was somewhere it? out west. It, was, it wasn't. Ba- was it no, Vancouver? I thought it was Vancouver. It might have been. I'll look. It might have been. Um, but the flight home. Uh, Hackstall, who's now seeing all this, all these reports that are getting out there, Twitter was blowing up with it, decides he needs to talk to Chuck Fletcher on the plane. And, and wants, wants reassurances. Yeah, and wants reassurances. He's like, he wants to know, because Fletcher had told him that, you know, don't worry about it, your job's fine. And he says, well, these reports are getting out there. What's what's going on? Am I going to have my job? Was Vancouver? It, it was Vancouver. Yeah, I knew it was yep. a longer trip. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, Fletcher can't give him that assurance. Because Fletcher's, Fletcher's an honest guy. I mean, for for you know, a lot of lying that goes on in sports, Chuck Fletcher's not that kind of guy. He's going to be you know upfront and honest with you. And I think he probably told Hackstall, or I know he talked to him, and I, I don't know exactly what words he said, but I know it was something along the lines of, I can't guarantee you anything beyond this season. And I think Hackstall said that maybe we should part ways now. And so, therefore, the change had to be made, and they had no coach in place. They had nobody ready to go. So they had no alternative other than to bring up Scott Gordon from the Phantoms to finish the season. Who, in fairness, did like a pretty admirable job, yes. given, given all that had happened. They kept him in the system, put him back in the minor leagues because he did such a good job. Yep. Yeah. And remember, they had no practice time, so then that kind of leaked into January of that year. They were in the midst of a long losing streak. Was that eight games or so? And then when they finally got some practice time, in about it was about the 10th of January, they played home against Dallas. Mm-hmm. And that started a nice little winning uh, winning pattern for them, where I think they won 7 of 8 or 8 of 9, something to that effect. And that was maybe the first sign that some of the younger guys on this team 
that people had kind of hoped were going to be that next wave of Flyers prospects to make that jump or that next wave of young players to kind of become the, the new core of this team. We finally started to see that. We started to see things kind of solidify on this roster, and we started to see, like, you know, better days could be coming. Obviously not in the 18-19 year, but in the 1920 season, things could go well. And that, to me, I think is one of my favorite storylines of, of what happened in the last year. All the chaos of the end of 2018 had kind of dissipated. The team managed to kind of patchwork things together to finish out the year, and obviously they they ended on a little bit of a of a, of a low streak. They, I think, lost their last five games of that season. But Scott Gordon was kind of like a nice revelation in there, came on our show, talked a lot about you know the importance of working with players at the AHL level to kind of develop them as people in addition to being hockey players. Now you get to see he goes back down to the Phantoms, and, and you know that there's clearly going to be a good line of communication between the AHL and NHL team. That's me. I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was that was fine. Mm-hmm. That was that was one thing of twenty nineteen. That's great. That's great. Hey, I got more news. Go. Since I mean, I don't want to you know jump ahead to twenty twenty uh, too quickly. But we talked about Travis Konechny getting named to the All Star team, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the NHL has like the Major League Baseball does, where you can vote the last man in, right? Kind of thing. Last man on the on the team. So for the Metropolitan Division, here are the names that fans can vote in one of these players to be the last person on the All-Star team. Tivu Turvinen from Carolina, good player. Nick Foligno from Columbus, good player, but fans aren't going to put him in. Nico Heischer from the Devils, no Devil should even be in. They're, just bad. They're no. terrible this year, right? Brock Nelson from the Islanders, who's been okay, but, I mean, you know, seriously. Uh, Mika Zibanejad from the Rangers, who I like. He's having a decent season for them. I think that the Rangers are a better team than – a lot of people give him credit for. Chris Letang from the Penguins, the only defenseman on the list. So they probably they probably don't really need a defenseman, and that's the name that they threw out there. TJ Oshie from the Capitals. Shootout sensation. Right. Or your captain, Claude Giroux from the Flyers. Do the fans vote Giroux in? I don't know. Probably by name. Yes, I agree. He's the biggest name on the list. He's the biggest name, but I... I think fans will vote him in. He... Fans will vote him in. I think Giroux ends up at the All-Star game. I think he's fine. I like him being at All-Star weekend. I, I, I would still go with Couturier. Well, I get that. I, I know. I I get that. I know. It's the list. Of, yeah, but that, but that's, that, that's not who the NHL put out there. The NHL didn't put Sean Couturier on the list. What I'm saying to you is if you look at list those names and say vote for one to a generic hockey fan base, they're voting Giroux. So Giroux's going to end up at the All-Star game. I, that's prediction well there you go there's some good news to end uh 2019 right all right well voting doesn't begin until january 1st so <laughs> it's actually 2020 news so yeah we do have to take one more break um it'll be a quick one it'll be a quick break. A very quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about our favorite things that happen in in this decade and in, in these teens and the tens and the whatever san Filippo wants to call them they're the, they're the they're the tens it's not the teens we will talk about that on the other side of the break you're listening to Snow the Goalie Radio here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Oh, yes. Snow the Goalie Radio here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Anthony, you just gave me a little bit of breaking news about Claude Giroux. I did. I'll give you a little bit of breaking news. Yeah? DraftKings Sportsbook is officially available in Pennsylvania. As a trusted leader in daily fantasy, DraftKings has brought their expertise to legal sports betting and is already America's top-rated sportsbook app. With so much going on this week, you'll definitely want to take advantage of the convenience to bet wherever, whenever with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. 
Plus, DraftKings is based right here in the U.S., not offshore, so you know that your funds are safe and secure. And if you're already betting in Pennsylvania with another book, take advantage of the DraftKings great sign-up offer. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use the code CROSSINGBROAD when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a free bet just for signing up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Don't forget, sign up with promo code CROSSINGBROAD to place your first bet, and you can get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Anthony, last week? Ah. Yeah, not good. You know, I, I didn't want to pick a game on Monday because it was Monday, and I didn't really like the slate. But I also didn't want to wait until games resumed after Christmas, which would have been until Saturday. So I didn't want to give people that long, and it's hard to pick a game six days out, five days out, right? So I picked a game on Monday, and it was a, a dud. I it was the team I picked got blown out. I picked the uh, the Florida Panthers to beat the Lightning in Tampa, and they got smoked. Um, so I'm now at nine and six. So I feel like I owe the owe the listeners. I owe the listeners better picks this week. As such, I'm going to give you a bonus. All right, I'm going to give you a bonus pick. Um, the two picks that I'm going to give you this week, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs are red hot. They've been playing some great hockey, uh, scoring a ton of goals. Their offense is really on fire right now. Uh, they go in tomorrow night uh, into Minnesota. Um, I, I'm always leery of of teams who have to travel right around new year's right around christmas uh it's funny i, I had sent bob this this data uh, over the last two years of how bad teams were that travel on the day of the game um and turns out that most of the visiting teams won this year they, they kind of bucked it they bucked the trend uh so i you know I'm, I'm avoiding the trend uh number here but the wild have also played better hockey of late um, and there's a tough place to play in Minnesota, and you're going to get a good crowd out there. Uh, it's an earlier start, so people will be kind of you know in a festive mood, and then they're going to go out and celebrate New Year's afterwards. I'm going to take the Wild to, to topple the Lightning, probably a little bit of an underdog there, probably get good value on that game. I didn't look up the odds. If you want to look them up, feel free, um, but that's one that I'm going to give you. And the other one uh, I'm going to give you tomorrow night uh, is the New York Rangers, who I think – are a pretty darn good young team. We got to see them Monday night against the Flyers, and they skate and skate and skate. And if they get good goaltending uh, in any game, they have a real shot to win. You know, everybody says, "Oh, they're, you know, they're they're not a playoff team right now." Guess what? They're pretty close to even on goal differential, and goal differential is like one of my things I look at and sit there and say, "That's that's how you could tell the mark of a good team and a bad team." You know. And the Rangers are a team that's right on the cusp of being a positive team. As young as they are, that's good. Edmonton, who got off to a fantastic start, completely in free fall at this moment. The game is in Edmonton, but I like the Rangers out in Edmonton. So take the Wild at home uh, as probably as a home dog uh, against Toronto. And the Rangers as a dog as well on the road in Edmonton. Both games are tomorrow, New Year's Eve. Fingers crossed that we get the return of successful San Filippo. Well, I'm nine and six. I mean, it's not like I'm sub five hundred. I mean, it's still still decent. Decent. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, you know, we'll take it. It's all right. So don't forget, go sign up for the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use our promo code Crossing Broad and get a risk free bet of up to five hundred dollars. Must be twenty one or older. Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. Deposit bonus requires twenty five time playthrough. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. The decade, the tens. Let's talk about it. As I hit the desk like John Tortorella. Yeah. 
the number one memory of this decade has to be the Stanley Cup run. Well, of course. Right? Easy. The unfortunate thing is it was the first year of the 10s and everything else after that. Yeah. Well, it wasn't this decade. It was last decade, but that's okay. It was the first of the 10s. It was the first year of the 10s. Okay. But it was the last decade. Okay. We're going to be honest. All right. Stanley Cup run, easily the best memory. Yeah. Uh, Where were you? Covering it. (laughs) So here's a funny story that I have is right before the end of the regular season, uh, I I contracted pneumonia uh, like two weeks before the end of the regular season, three weeks before the end of the regular season. It was pretty bad. I was laid up for a while. Um, and so I had, a, I had to take some sick time from work. And the day I could have gone back for the final game of the season against the Rangers. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to sit this one out. I haven't been around the team I don't want to, you know, get anybody sick if they make the playoffs or whatever. But I'm sitting there watching the game on TV, and I'm like, don't win this game. Don't win this. This team is not a playoff team. Do not win this game. They don't deserve to be in the playoffs. They're not fun. Then they go and win the shootout against the Rangers. And I'm like, damn, i got to cover this team now. And in the first round, they're going to get beat. And then they win the first round. Yep. And then they go to the, the Boston So you go into the beginning of the Boston series, and Boston's just winning the first round. And you're like – what a waste of time this whole thing is, you know? And then it just all from there, it was the coolest three-week, four-week ride from the time that they were down 3-0 to Boston till the f- end of the Stanley Cup final. There was It was so much fun to be around that team and this city when that was taking place. It was just really, really cool. So, so I had a slightly different experience with, oh, yeah? the, with the Flyers' Stanley Cup run. Yeah? So there I was. Prepping to go study abroad for the first time. Oh, I'm in. I'm in London, and they advance. Uh, they're they're in the Boston series. I think I'm on a flight, and when I land and I'm disoriented, I'm in Berlin, and they manage to finish the series off. Everything's great. They've they've somehow come back against Boston. Fast forward a little bit. Stanley Cup Finals going on. And I frequented a lot of bars in Berlin, specifically <laughs> looking for any kind of semblance of hockey on TV, which I could not find, which was alarming. Okay. And the streaming rights in Germany are very different, so I couldn't exactly like tap into my parents' uh, cable account at the time. So I just remember sitting there listening to like some kind of a, I don't know, probably a legally streamed audio feed of the game, and... I fell asleep during the final game of the Stanley Cup Finals. What? It's it's 2 a.m. in Germany, uh. and it was just super heavy eyelids, right? And every once in a while, it happens during a game, right? You close your eyes for a second, you wake up. It's so. only, only two minutes have passed, right? I open my eyes, and what do I see? I've got the Comcast Sportsnet Philadelphia homepage, and I look up, and it's that iconic image of Patrick Kane celebrating and Michael Layton with the pads stacked up against the pipe and i went what the bleep just happened yeah it wasn't good wasn't good and going back and watching the highlight and and seeing it was almost like opening up fresh wounds every time i had to go and see it all fall apart but it was a heck of a memorable run yeah the only other thing that i think is really memorable from the decade is the penguin series two years later um when drew has the shift hits crosby and then scores the goal and kind of gets things rolling and the Flyers win game six, right? Um, but the whole series was was just – it was bananas. I mean, there was so many goals. The team – the Flyers averaged in a playoff series 
averaged five goals a game. They scored 30 goals in six games against the Penguins. I think the Penguins even scored 24 or something. It was, it was nuts. So, But other than that, I mean, I can't think of anything else in a decade where I go and say, yeah, that was a really memorable experience that I want to lock in for the, for the you know, archives. I can think of one. Go ahead. It happened 2018, if I remember correctly. I'm looking up the uh, the exact date right now. But there was, uh, out of the uh, the silence of Philadelphia Flyers coverage in the city, it was March 27th, 2018, a little podcast they could dropped its initial track where we talked about what our coverage on Snow the Goalie was going to look like. And then April 1st, the best joke ever told. We hopped on a podcast and we started this show. And here we are, less than, what, two years later? Yeah, year and a half. Providing arguably the best wraparound coverage of this team in the city between Snow the Goalie, the writing that you especially do over on CrossingBroad.com, the Press Row Show. It's been a wonderful time. So here we are at the end of 2019, and we always talk about, you know, what are you thankful for? I have to say, I'm thankful for you. Oh, Russell. There we are. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. And Uh, I guess I'm somewhat thankful for Ryan Lennox on the other side of the glass for producing the show. We will be back in 2020 at our normal time, 5 to 6 p.m., here on Snow the Goalie Radio, here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Hang around for Crossing Broadcast right after this.